Wonderful to be here. Wonderful to see you. About a month ago, I made a bad choice. Hurt myself. I thought, well, there goes all my meetings for the rest of the year. And uh, God is good. And I want to thank you for the prayers and cards and calls and texts. And people from in this room have sent us money. And, and uh, we are very appreciative. Uh, I learned a lesson about prayer and fervent prayer. And it avails much. And I, I can't thank you enough for the prayers and the thoughts. It, but I'm excited about being here. I'm very excited about this meeting. And I hope that we can learn together and grow together. I'm grateful that Brother Tom Hicklin's here. I'm, I'm grateful to be working with him. Uh, Lee Adair and his family, I'm really thrilled that they're here. And, and looking forward to working with all of you and being with all of you. Uh, my wife and I, uh, about a month ago, we worked together to try to button my pants for 10 minutes. And I said, forget it, I'm wearing overalls. But I buttoned my own pants today, so I'm feeling pretty good. Okay. <clears throat> the Big Bang. Maybe you've heard of the Big Bang, especially you younger folks. The Big Bang... We are told that 13.8 billion years ago, there was a bang. And, and everything that exists today come from the bang. And all matter in the universe was there and had been compressed. Everything that we know, not only in this earth, but in all the stars and all the planets, and all the galaxies, and all the far reaches of space, everything was compressed down 13.8 billion years ago into the size of an atom. And for whatever reason, it popped. And it expanded. And very intelligent people teach us these things, and they talk about these things, and they have numbers or letters behind their names, their Ph.D. and all those kinds of things, and they tell us that this is how the world came to be, that all the basic elements of life, and they teach it for truth. They teach it not as theory. They teach it as reality, and they teach it for a purpose today that I stand against. I want you to stand against it too, that there is no God. That this replaces God. And for all those intelligent people, they have a fundamental problem. All the scientists, all those folks have a fundamental problem and that is a very simple question. When did it begin? How did it begin? A beginning. There has to be one. And it's a problem they have. And they cannot answer it. They cannot answer it. And so what they do is they go back in time further and further and further a million years, and then ten million years, and then a billion years. 
and then 10 billion years, and finally they say, back here, way back here, there was nothing. Nothing. And I want you to think about nothing a little bit with me. I want to encourage you to think about nothing. I've got a box here. Y'all ever seen one of these? You ever get them? I get them a lot. Jackson, you're intelligent. What's in that box? Nothing. Open it. What's in that? He says nothing. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> I love you. You're wrong. <laughs> there's air in this box. And there's dust in this box. And there are germs in this box. And there are elements in this box. There wasn't nothing in this box. But it's hard to think about nothing. So if you was to think about nothing, maybe this jar would help you. If we took and cleaned this jar out and cleansed it, and we removed the residue, and we put a vacuum on it, and we sucked everything out so that there's not a germ and there's no molecules and there's no nothing, there's nothing at all, then what's going to happen? Nothing. If there's no electricity, and there's no elements, and there's nothing's going to happen. And scientists want you to believe that somewhere, way back here, when there was nothing, there was a bang. But I'm going to tell you, a bang is something. And so I begin to watch videos. That's what you do. That's how you learn. I watch YouTube. I watch PhDs. And I've tried to understand this Big Bang. And I listen to people who are really smart. And you know what they said right back here? The laws of physics cease to apply. How convenient. That is really handy. Miraculously, 13.8 billion years ago, everything that science stands on didn't count. And these really intelligent PhDs said, we take it on faith. But I'm going to tell you what that is, and that's religion. That's what that is. I've read that the size of a penny compared to the moon is the same as the size of a hydrogen atom compared to a penny. That's kind of impressive. That the whole world, and not just the world, but all the stars and all the planets, was compressed into the size of an atom. And they want you to believe that. But I prefer to believe in a God. And I want to tell you, I believe it's more reasonable. I believe it's more reasonable. So I want to study with you today about God. And I want to help you to think about God. I want to encourage you to read together with me and study the question of what is God. What is God? There's a lot of scriptures that describe to us God. We're going to look at some of them. And I want you to 
answer this question the way I did. Our God is a consuming fire. Is that what God is? I began to think about that. I said, it's what, what it says He is. So I suppose God is fire. Who am I to argue with that? In Psalms 99 verse 9, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. So my logical brain, I say God's a holy fire. I just add them together. I don't know if that's right, but that's what I do. God's a holy fire. But in John, 1 John 4, 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He's a holy, loving fire. 1 John 1, 5, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And so, He's light too. And in John 4, 24, He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so, we think about all these things and we say, well, God is fire, and He's light, and He's spirit, and He's holy, and He's love. And we mix all that up together. And that's God. I don't know if that's the best way to understand God. And so I want to look at what God said about the matter. And I encourage you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. And I want to begin reading here in verse 1. He says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now I'm going to skip ahead a couple of verses. And what we're going to skip is where God says, I'm going to send you to the people. I'm going to send you to lead my people. That's what he says to Moses. And now verse 13, And Moses said to God, Behold, when I am come to the children of Israel, and shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Well, I think this is a little bit like Jesus with the thief on the cross. Remember me. I think Jesus told him a whole lot more. He gave him a whole lot more. He describes more here than what Moses was expecting. In verse 15, And God said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt thus 
Shalt thou say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I am that I am. What does that mean? I am what I am? I am who I am? What is God? I mean, I believe he's God. What's a God? Some people describe him as deity. What's a deity? Some people say he's a supernatural being. I have this image of God in my mind. For some reason, he's an old man. Long beard. He kind of looks like he belongs in a Lord of the Rings movie. What is God? Well, God gives an answer here. I am that I am. And if you look at the Hebrew, I am is a very simple, it means to exist. God answers the question of Moses. Who should I say has sent me? And God says, existence. Existence. I exist, I exist. We might say the existent one. That's who sent him. And it seems like an odd answer. So I'm here to tell you today, there has never been nothing. There's always been God. Because he's existence. To exist, for there to be anything, there has to be existence. I assume you exist. I think I exist. There cannot be nothing because we exist. And God exists, He is true existence. To be is God. The truth is, the question is wrong. How did it begin? It did not begin. God didn't begin. He always has been. He always will be. Why? Because He's existence. I don't know if that helps you to understand, but it helped me. This helps me. We think of the world in terms of creation, and that's true. God wasn't created. He's always been. There's no beginning for Him. There's no end. It's impossible because He's existence. He's the reality of existence. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. He's the great power that exists. He is existence. That's what God is, and that's how He described it. The word almighty means omnipotent, absolute, and universal sovereign. To exist is to have all power. And so if He determines to do something, He can do it. If He determines to appear as an old man, He can do it. 
If he decides to create, he can create. If he decides to destroy, he can destroy because God is existence. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Was there a God before that? Certainly. There was no time before then. And there was just God. He existed. In the same sense that He exists today, He existed then. In the book of Psalms, chapter 115, verse 3, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatever He hath pleased. God does what He wants to do. And in Psalms 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. This is the way we describe someone who is timeless. Without God, we would not be. Nothing would be. Because there cannot be something from nothing. In the book of Isaiah 44, verse 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and besides me there is no God. In John 8, verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Guess what that word means? Existence. They are. <clears throat> Isaiah 40, 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And I want to keep going. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air over the cattle over all the earth over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth so God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them and God blessed them and said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air over every living thing that moveth upon the earth and God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And so this God that exists, who has the nature of fire and light and holiness and love, this God that's a spirit, created something that was physical. And He created a world. Now He can do anything He wants to do. He could just sit there alone and by himself he could have done that but he determined to create a world and he created you and I 
And He made us a little different. Because man is the pinnacle of God's creation. You are the top. Why? Why would He do it? Why would God create people who are so aggravating? (laughs) Why would He go to the trouble? If God can create all, everything, can't He just be happy? Well, I think the nature of God answers this question. Because God is love. And for love to be real, it must be felt, it it must be shared. We have to share that. I don't know if you know it or not, but I love Tom Hicklin. I love that man. He's a good man. He's been good to me. He's been a good friend to me. He's been very kind to me. And he has helped me and called me and prayed for me and encouraged me. He's my rice dealer. He brings me rice from the coast because I married a girl that lived down on the coast and we eat rice. He brings me rice. I called him one day and I said, I need help. He said, I'll help you. You can't help but love that. We can't help but love people that are good to us. It's the nature of love. I've tried to be good to him. I think he's getting the short end of the stick. But love means something. Love has purpose. A big bang means nothing. A big bang has no purpose and no meaning. God created something with purpose and He put man at the top. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And He created you and He gave you the ability to choose what you will do, where you will go, how you will behave. He could have made us just robots. We could have walked around all day long just saying, Praise God, praise God, praise God. He created us with a heart to love. He created us in His image to do and to act and to think. In Acts 17 verse 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. You are a child of God. We are all children of God. Every person on this earth is a child of God. Hebrews 12, 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? We're spirits. We think about the flesh all the time. The flesh. How do I look? How do I feel? I'm looking older. I'm feeling older. I've got a spirit. You're a spirit. We recognize it when we die. We have a body. It's just a vessel. What it contain? Our spirit. 
And we're just like God because we're the offspring of God. In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world. Why did He create you? Because He loves you. He loves you. He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God loves you. You're His child. I'm not telling you you're His child because you're a Christian. I'm telling you you're His child because He created you. In the book of Luke, chapter 3, verse 34, just bear with me. Which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Thyra, which was the son of Nachor, which was the son of Saruch, which was the son of Regu, which was the son of Phalek, which was the son of Heber, which was the son of Selah, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxad, which was the son of Sem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech. Which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Malil, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. We are God's people. And why did He create us? Because He loves us. He wants you. And He wants to have a relationship with you. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, beginning of verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. My wife found out we were having a child. We were, were very young. We're having a child. It wasn't planned. We weren't ready. And I begin to pray, bless this child. Bless this child. This life that you give to me. And I don't know, I don't remember how far along she was. One month, two months, I don't know. We were way behind. God knowed about it a whole long time. God knew that child. Alexis Ann. We waited all nine long months to what is this child? Is, what is it? What is this baby? A little boy? A little girl? Is it going to be little frilly dresses? Or are we going hunting? What, is it, what are we going to get? And the day came. And my wife had some problems. We had a C-section. I'm standing there. My wife kept saying, I don't think I'm numb. I don't think I'm numb. I'm sitting there going, you, they're done cut you in half, girl. You are numb. <laughs> You're okay. And they pull this baby. God is love. God's about life. God's about relationships and family and sharing. You see, that's what God's about. Exodus 34, 4, And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. He took in his hands the two tables of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. 
And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping for mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and the fourth generations. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped God is a God of relationships. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you and care for you. He wants to help you. But you are a person that He has created and you can do whatever you want to do. And if you want to disobey God, you can do it. If you want to hate God, you can hate Him. And if you want to spit on God and curse every Christian you come in conflict with, you can do it. I'm going to tell you, He created you because He wants you. He wants you. Not a little bit. I'm going to tell you, He wants you a lot. Because He gave His Son. Then He can have you. Revelation 4.11 Worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were Created. Now I want to move to the next step. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. This life is temporary. People say, why? Why do this? I want to tell you, it's pretty simple. God's going to weed out the good and the bad. He's going to let you live 70, 80 years, 100, maybe 30 and that's enough time to know if you love Him. That's enough time to know if you've got a good heart. It's enough time to know if you'll repent and obey His Word. It's enough time to know if you are worthy of heaven to be with Him. This God who loves is a fire. He's holy. He's just. I don't know how long you'll live. I preached a funeral for a baby 10 days old. 10 days. And I preached one for a lady who's 103. And I will tell you, neither one's very long. God's give you enough time to obey. God's give you enough time to repent. God's give you enough time to dedicate yourself to Him so that someday... When this temporary test run is over, he can say, that's mine. That's my child. And the day of death will be precious because God wants to have you. And he wants to care for you. And he wants to dwell with you. And he wants to be together with you. And that's been the purpose from the beginning. Ezekiel 33, saying to them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and live, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? God has given everything so that you can have a relationship with him. He wants you to change. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to live a righteous life and follow him. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of life. Not to retire well. Not to have all the pleasure that you can have. This is a test run to see who's worthy. 
What about you? Are you worthy? Are you living worthy of the great God? Do you love Him because He first loved you? It's easy to love people who love us. I tell you, I don't think so much of Bin Laden. I think a lot more of Tom Hicklin. A lot more. He loves us. Do you love Him? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a very simple way to show God we love Him. Do what He's asked us to do. Don't be too busy. Put effort to those things. Jesus in John 14 said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And he's made it where it's not that hard to keep his commandments. All we have to do to show him we love him is do what he's asked us to do. Be the man he's asked you to be. Be the woman he's asked you to be. To change your life and dedicate your life to him. And he gives us an invitation. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He knew this life was going to be a struggle. There were going to be challenges and storms. There were going to be heartaches. But I'll tell you, he knew there was going to be life. He has blessed and blessed and blessed. And he gives and gives. And this little baby that he gave, me and my wife, now has a little baby of her own. He gives, and He gives, and He blesses. God is love. To exist is to love. That's what this all is all about. The Almighty wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And I don't know today if you have a relationship with Him. I don't know. There are some of you, I suspect, have a pretty good relationship with God. I don't know. I knocked on the man's door one day, and he come to the door, and I was going to tell him about a gospel meeting, and I began to tell him. And he said something that really surprised me. He said, I'm for the other team. I said, beg your pardon? He said, I worship Satan. I said, oh, man, <laughs> you got trouble. <laughs> And it's just how some people... God wants that man. He wants him to change. He wants to have a relationship with you. I don't know what condition you're in. I just... We're kicking off this meeting. And I hope I can make something plain. God wants you. God wants to help you. He, he hadn't put you here all alone. He hadn't put you here to watch you struggle. He has given everything to have you. And this meeting is designed to help people. These gospel meetings have purpose. It's been planned. It's been thought out. To help people change. Because life's got a lot of ups and downs. There are a lot of influences. 
good and bad. And maybe you're struggling in your life. And I'll tell you, if you're struggling in your life, if you have sin problems in your life, if you can't seem to get past those things, no one wants you to be changed more than God. God wants you to change, and He wants to help you, and He wants to cleanse you. And the good people of this congregation want you to change. I tell you, I want you to change. We're going to have an invitation song just here in a minute. And I'll tell you, I want you to come forward. I want you to do that. I'll meet you down at the front of the row. I'll take your hand. If you can't walk down there, I'll come help you walk. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to say I need to change. It's hard to evaluate and look at those things. But I want you to understand, these are eternal decisions that you make. And everybody in this room wants you to change and be saved. Every person here wants that. There ain't but one person who don't, and that's Satan. He wants you to not change. He wants you to die. He wants you to be lost. So please, please, make a change. If you're not a Christian, become a Christian and serve the living God. If you're not living the way you ought to be, make a change. Ask for help and humble yourself before God and He will lift you up. If you're struggling in your life, anytime throughout the rest of this meeting, anytime that I'm standing up here and you want to come forward, you come. We'll stop right then. If you need to be baptized, we'll do it in the middle of a sermon. We'll do it in the middle of a song. Because this is about being right with God. The Creator. The Existent One. Let us help as we sing.